welcome into the Wizards group chat. I'm Ryan Oliver alongside my guy Chase Carroll. Oh man, we got free agency going, lots of contracts, big money going around. Chase, how are you, man? I'm great. Uh, Kyle Kuzma's probably doing even better than I am. He got himself a little bit of a bag. Not as probably not as much as he wanted. There, there were reports previously he was looking for about 30 mil on the market, so he didn't get that, but he got a pretty good bag here for the Wizards. And um, I, I know we'll definitely deep dive on that, but personally, I'll, I'll just lead off with I'm pretty excited about it. I, I think uh, this is a pretty good move for the Wizards. Yeah, well, let's just jump fully right into the reaction to the, the Kuzma contract. I think there were a lot of rumblings. Uh, leading up to free agency that this is kind of where it was headed in terms of uh, at least Kuzma resigning with the Wizards. It felt like all his other destinations potentially had kind of used up their their space on other things. The Kings bringing back Harrison Barnes and bringing in Duarte and um, Utah when they brought in Collins, John Collins, uh, a few days before free agency started. It seemed like in Indiana even um, seemed to kind of sh- you know go in a different direction. I don't know if they were a suitor or not, but all these places that's, that seem to have moves, um, also like the Rockets, uh, they seem to be moving in a different direction. It didn't seem like there was a logical landing spot for Kuzma other than D.C., uh, let's jump right into our opinions. I- I'll let you take the floor, Chase. You mentioned that you are happy about the deal. I know there's a lot of mixed opinions out there amongst Wizards fans. Tell me yours. I know we said on the podcast the other day we were probably 40-60 split on Kuzma coming back. Um, right after we finished recording, I would say that I thought about it even more. I was like, man, I really wouldn't mind this because – I don't think he gets in the way of a so-called tank if that is what they are trying to do. They do need veterans on the roster to to fill out alongside the young guys. They do have quite a bit of veterans now that I think a couple of them are expendable um, because I think Kyle Kuzma does bring that veteran leadership you need. So we, we had talked about guys like Xavier Cooks and um, guys like Anthony Gill. I think they're very expendable when you bring a guy like Kyle Kuzma back who can actually play. He'll be on the court. So um, yeah, I think we could say goodbye to guys like that. But uh, for me, you're looking at the deals that are made in the last couple of days. You got Jeremy Grant, for example, five years, 160 million. That's a big contract. And I think when you're comparing players, I'd say they're relatively comparable. Um, obviously not the same skill sets, but I'd say as far as talent, they're they're pretty comparable. And you're getting Kuzma for about 25 mil per um, much better contract than than a Jeremy Grant or we got a guy like Dylan Brooks just now getting a bag from the Houston Rockets uh four years 80 million I think Kyle Kuzma is much better player than Dylan Brooks for example so while, while he is making a little bit more um I think you're looking at contracts that guys are getting in the league today that's a pretty good contract to me and, and I think it'll be easily tradable if they do want to do that down the line but at the same time I think he's going to be a great player again for the Wizards. I know uh, uh, he's a 20-point-per-game score, one of the three we had. And I know previously we had talked about maybe we bring back Kristaps Porzingis as that leader who doesn't get in the way of the tank. But really, I think Kyle Kuzma is the same exact way. He doesn't get in the way of of really losing if that is what their goal is. And he's not going to get in the way of the young guys, in my opinion. He'll get his shots up, don't get me wrong. He'll probably put up 25, 30 shots a night. But at the same time, this is a guy who took guys like Denny under his wing, uh, Corey Kispert. He's always taking guys uh, after 
practice and, and working alongside of them on on things that they need to, to do as well. So I love this move from that standpoint, leadership, as well as having a good player in the building. I don't think they want to bottom out this year. So that's a good player to have in the building. Um, looking at the roster, it doesn't look as awful as it once did. Uh, I think uh, probably going to be maybe pushing play in and probably not maybe a, maybe a 11 or 12 seed in the East, but they're not going to be one of the worst teams in the league. They're going to put a product on the floor. I think he and Jordan Poole is a pretty solid duo. So I'm, I'm excited about it. Uh, I think the perspective I want to look at it from to start, at least my, my part of this conversation is the business standpoint. And you kind of touched on that a little bit about the product they're putting on the floor. And that's exactly where I was going to go. Uh, when I initially saw the deal I had mixed feelings and I still do but I started to think about it from the Wizards perspective um, and what would be the desire to bring Kuzma back aside from the asset retaining the asset from a business standpoint I think Kuzma became a fan favorite they marketed Kuzma a lot Uh, he really seemed to embrace the city Um, they did the bobblehead night they, I know they really embraced the whole like pink sweater meme thing that happened. Um, Kuzma just became a fan favorite. And he was more popular with the fans than even Beal was, someone that was a tenured supposed franchise guy. And I felt like from that standpoint, the Wizards said, hey, at the end of the day, we are still trying to sell tickets. We're trying to get people in the door. And are people going to, gonna come to watch a team that is clearly a terrible roster with a bunch of young guys that you that are gonna get a ton of minutes and and I think the 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 diehard fans like you or I probably would come see the product because we have that level of interest in the team in the team but our casual fans like my wife who doesn't watch the Wizards knows who Kyle Kuzma is right so she's not she he's a name Oh, he dates Winnie Harlow. He's a a name, a casual consumer of the game. He'd at least recognize on some level. So I I think that that is a large part of it. Ted is not the type of owner that wants to bottom out and tank. And even the front office I mentioned on the last podcast, I didn't get the impression that they were in the business of, hey, we're going to literally be the worst team in the league. We're going to do everything we can to be the worst team in the league for three years and get the number one pick as many years in a row as we can. Do I think they'd love a couple top five picks? I do. Do I think we could see a pull the plug with 15 games left to try to get the young guys minutes and allow uh, for them to lose some games to better their, their, their draft status? I do think that that could be on the horizon. And I don't think the roster is all that much better with Kuzma on it in terms of winning games. But I think the number one, uh, aside from retaining the asset, was the business standpoint of we're trying to sell tickets. We need names that people recognize on some level to get people in the you know through the gate to, to watch the games and make revenue. And Kuzma does that. Pool and Kuzma are going to be exciting, exciting to watch. Is it going to translate to a bunch of wins? Probably not. Um, so I think that's the first standpoint I want to look at it from is that business standpoint. I think the next standpoint I want to look at it from is the asset management standpoint. Uh, I think that losing Kuzma for nothing is a worse scenario than signing him for four years, $102 million. I think that the details of the contract really matter, uh, in in assessing this as well is the final year, a player option is the final year team option. Those are things that we don't know. 
uh, or is it just a solid four years? Is it uh, an escalating contract or does it is it higher in the first year and descends from there? So making it more tradable in the final couple of years. There's a lot of information about the contract we don't fully know yet. Uh, at least it's I'm not privy to that knowledge upon recording this podcast. So I think that that goes into the assessment of of managing the asset as well as how tradable is the contract based on the options and the formatting of the salary. So that that that's a standpoint I think is also interesting. Uh, but in terms of the actual contract itself and what we do know, what, it's about $25 million a year. I feel like that's a really fair deal for both sides. I felt like if I was Tyler Hero going, or excuse me, if I was Kyle Kuzma going into it, I would have wanted a contract that was um, similar to what Tyler Hero got. Um, that would that that would be the 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 years, the money that was, and it's less than that. So I think that's a big win for the Wizards to get it to get it at twenty five million a year. Um, the more I thought about, it, I think Kyle Kuzma wanted to say he was a hundred million dollar player more than anything else. So I think that one hundred two was right over <laughs> that hundred million dollar threshold just so he could you know kind of say yeah i'm you know making the nine figure hundred million dollar contract so i think it was kind of a win for both sides like we're getting a team friendly deal that's going to be tradable down the road whether that's this year or next year or two years from now or three years from now that deal is going to be tradable barring kuzma getting injured or something i can't see how another team wouldn't look at that deal when it's three for 75 or two for 50, you know, range and feel like, wow, like we could get Kuzma for two for 50. And that that's, a, I mean, that's a, a, that's a good deal to get in, in a trade. So from that standpoint, I'm, I'm understanding of the deal um, from a personal standpoint. I like Kuzma. I like what he did in the leadership and in, in the, the, the light that he was on the team. I mentioned on the last, the last podcast. So I'm happy about that. Um, I've gone on for a long time. So I'm gonna let you get in here, Chase, but I, but from a standpoint of, the young guys developing, that's the only spot where I'm I'm still stuck is I wanted to see Denny start at the four. And now we're it doesn't it doesn't seem like we're gonna get that. Uh it looks like, yeah, I guess you could say it's interchangeable, right? Is Kuzma the three? Is I think Kuzma's more of a four. I think Denny's more of a four. It looks like we're gonna be starting them both together. I think they both can, you know, guard three. So it's not the worst fit or anything, but I just wish that we would get to see Denny in his proper proper role for an extended period of time before having to decide on him and his longevity on the team. So I feel like that's where I'm a little stuck, but I would say I'm, I'm, I have mixed feelings about it. I'm happy that he's back from a personal standpoint and in terms of just enjoyment watching the team, but in terms of the development of the young guys, I'm a little bit trepidatious. I definitely see where you're coming from there. Maybe this, spells out what they feel about Denny. Maybe he's not really in the long-term plans. Um, I I know I know we like Denny, but he has yet to show that offensive side of, of the game. He's a great defender. Um, and unfortunately, he's been parked in a corner quite a bit of his career, which is certainly not his game. He's much better with the ball in his hands, I think. Um, so hopefully, this, this is on Wes Unsell Jr. to figure it out. Um, he's going to have to coach for his life this year, really. I'm not looking at the wins and losses for him. I'm looking at, is he going to play the young guys? Is he going to put the young guys in the best position to succeed and have a role moving forward? Uh, obviously, with Denny having a contract coming up, that's you know, that, that that's interesting to look at. Um, they're giving Kuzma a bag. They could easily trade Kuzma at the deadline 
if if they feel like uh, he's getting in the way of Denny and that Denny is is something to be unlocked. So that from that standpoint, I'm I'm not too worried. I, I guess I would say Kispert's probably the one getting the the short end of the stick here. I'm sure he's moving to the bench or. Um, Maybe Bill Bilal Kulabali was going to be in the starting lineup immediately. I, I don't think that's the case, but uh, maybe they decide that that he's not ready yet and he, he comes off the bench, which makes sense to me. I don't think he'll be ready at 18, 19 years old to start immediately. So um, you do need depth as well on, on a young team. Um, and, and I do want to go back a little bit to the bottoming out. Uh, I see a lot of fans are upset thinking that Kyle Kuzma takes them out of that range. Um, first off, I don't think he does. I think he's a great player, but I don't think he's an, a you know, a franchise elevator to where, um, maybe you go from 20 to 26 wins or something like that. And, uh, I still think you're a bottom five, bottom 10 team with Kyle Kuzma on it, but you have a piece that you can build around, um, moving forward. So I think really I'm looking at this contract. I'm not worried about it. Um, this draft class coming up is viewed as a really poor draft class. So I'm not even wanting to bottom out in this one that badly. Anyway, there's no Wemby in this draft class right now. The number one prospect appears to be Ron Holland. And honestly, everything I've seen from him, I'm not going to act like I've seen a ton on him, but what I have seen, I haven't been super impressed to where I'm like, that's a definite number one overall pick. So, you know, I, I don't think they really care too much in this draft, at least to be bottoming, bottoming out and getting bottom five in the draft. I think they want to put up a competitive roster this year. And I think Kyle Kuzma at least provides that a little bit. Uh, he, Jordan Poole, are are definitely a solid duo to, to start with. Um, I don't think it's the long-term duo or anything that's getting you to a championship, but I think it's a good piece to have. So I'm, I'm really not upset about it when it first hit. Uh, my notifications that, that Kyle Kuzma was coming back. My first reaction, honestly, was was pretty happy looking at that contract. Uh, I thought he would get more on the market from somebody. I didn't think it was going to be us. So um, obviously once the Kings, teams like that started filling their their holes and Kyle Kuzma was still there, you know, I, I thought it's it's a good fit for us. So um, we'll see where it goes, if, if he'll be here for that entire contract or not. Uh, if things go perfectly, he wins a championship here. With it. He's, he's an incredible player. But if things don't go well, he's an easily tradable asset. So I'm not too worried about that contract, to be honest with you. I'm, I'm excited about what uh, this team could potentially put on the floor this year, um, get the young guys some development. I want to see the guards um, hopefully not – get a ton of shots taken away by this move. Obviously Kyle Kuzma putting up like 25 shots a game probably, but um, he has said he wants to improve his game, his entire game. And that includes facilitating you would think. So um, I think that's what held him back for, from even bigger money is, is the fact that he was shot Jack. And so maybe, um, maybe he sees that and, and realizes he needs to improve his game from an entire standpoint, both offensively and defensively. I feel like if you look at bringing back Kuzma, bringing in Poole, you have two guys that are going to be the quote-unquote leaders of the team that are making combined just a hair more than what Bradley Beal is making alone. And it's 
debatable that the team might be even better next year than last year's iteration of the team, which is, I don't know what that says about Beal. <laughs> I'm not really sure what it says about that team in general, but uh, they might not be better, but I, I, I think it's debatable at least that they're the same caliber of team as last year's team that was supposed to be a, a low playoff seed as a goal, uh, I feel like, or at least the plan, and they weren't even near that goal. Um, I think the team is at least going to be a lot more exciting night to night. There's going to be more joy watching the, the team, even though I, I don't expect a lot of wins. Uh, and from a fan standpoint, at the end of the day, we want the team to win. I mean, no one actually likes watching losing. I don't think you mind losing if there's a long-term goal and there's development happening and you're seeing flashes of of progress and things like that. Uh, and if you're watching a blue chip prospect, like if Bilal turns out to be that and he you're watching him blossom, there's a lot of there's a lot of fun in that, even if you're not winning games. Um, you know, the early John Wall years where you saw those flashes, you it gave you faith and it wasn't fun to watch them lose, but it gave you hope and optimism for the future. So um what I'm trying to say is I do think bringing back Kuzma from that standpoint does make me excited that I can watch a game and the Wizards can be competitive because without Kuzma, I mean, if you have Denny starting at the four and you don't have another veteran, you know, wing type three, four type on the roster, then they really are going to, they really were going to be bad if they didn't have Kuzma. So I think from that standpoint, he makes them a much more plausible, competitive, watchable team night to night. Um, and I think the leadership standpoint is a is a is an important bit of this in terms of just having a, a young vet. I think having young vets is something I've talked about a lot, but I think it's really important that we do have that. So from that standpoint, it does it it does excite me to have Kuzma back. I just do wonder about the vision, I guess, and and I, I'm not questioning, like I have faith that uh Winger and Dawkins are are making correct the correct decisions. And I'm not one of those people who are like, well, what are we doing? We're rebuilding the same team we just tried to get rid of. Uh, I know like that Josh Robbins wrote a piece like that about how we might be moving back to the territory of kind of what we were trying to not be. And I don't think that Kuzma is a type of player that affects winning enough for that to be a major, a major concern. I still think they'll have one of the five worst records in the league. But it's just the development piece, like I mentioned before, in, in terms of just being able to assess the young guys. But maybe it does speak to the quality of the young guys from the new regime's point of view that maybe they don't even think uh, Denny and Johnny Davis and some of these guys are they need much more close evaluation in terms of whether or not they're real keepers. I think Denny's a nice young player, but I don't think there's a budding star level player in there or a real high level starter i think it's possible that there's a a good fifth starter in there um maybe fourth starter depending on his, if his shot comes along but maybe they look at it and they say hey we we kind of already know what kispert is he's a seventh man he's going to be able to shoot and space the floor he's a valuable commodity on any team but we know what he is as a, as a role player johnny davis he might have some potential but he probably was overdrafted at 10 and Denny, maybe he's just a good backup or a decent starter. And we kind of know what we have. So 
why not bring Kuzma back, retain the asset? Maybe we'll be able to flip him down the road um, and that type of thing. So I think that the Kuzma contract, they got him at, at a number you can be very happy with. I, I don't think it's even debatable that the contract's going to be tradable. I know some people were saying that it was a bad deal, and I don't think that's even a part of the debate. It might be a year longer than I would have been fully comfortable with, just just from the standpoint of uh, I don't want the Wizards to have a bunch of long-term salary on the books. But at the end of the day, you have to pay somebody. You have to reach, I think, 90% of the of the cap or something by maybe the start of the season with the new CBA or something like that. So you have to pay somebody. You can't just not pay anybody. So you have to have a couple good size salaries on your books. And also in terms of trade, it, it's good to have that $20 million salary to put in trades. It makes you, if you only have like a max salary or really low salary, it's hard to make trades in the NBA. You need to have those middle, those middle tier salaries, you know, Beal's making 47 million and then you have guys on rookie deals. That's a big, a big, a big gap. You need those other contracts to make the deals, the deals work. So I'm not mad at the Kuzma contract. I would say I'm, I have mixed feelings on it, as you guys can tell listening to this. <laughs> um, but I think all in all, I I don't see how it's how it's a loss. And if anything, I would say it's a slight win. I don't think it's a major slam dunk win, but I, I think it's a deal that uh, everyone can be happy with. Kuz should be happy. The Wizards should be happy. And I think the fan base should be happy as well. I definitely agree with you there. Um to, to go back on Josh Robbins' piece, I, I kind of disagreed with it a little bit from the standpoint of I, I don't think we're in the same position, you know, adding adding Kuzma back into the mix. We just got a ton of assets, whether you care about second round picks or not. They are assets. Um, we just saw two of them traded to move up to get our guy um, in Bilal Kulabali. So uh, whether you think taking people with those second round picks or not, it, they are useful. They can be used in trades and a good front office can actually hit on a second round pick. So uh, as many swings as, as, as they're going to be able to have, I'm excited about that as well. But we also have a ton of those first round pick swaps coming in a few years. We're in a much better position than, than I think we're getting credit for um, in the next few years. And we're going to have also picks coming for in that uh, Jordan pool deal as well. So um, down the line, I actually see a vision. Whereas last year you just had all the vets. You didn't have any of the young talent on the roster. You have the young talent on the roster. Now uh, Jordan pool is a great young piece to build around. Uh, they don't have to build around them. That's also a guy that could potentially be traded if, if they find a bigger fish. Um, but they also added a ton of other young prospects to the mix that they didn't have on the roster before. So to me, this isn't the same position they were in previously with Beal, Kristaps Porzingis, and Kuzma maxing out at missing the play-in. This is, you have the one guy, Kuzma, coming back and a bunch of young, talented players to build around. Uh, obviously, there's some vets that can can be cut out now. Uh, we'll, we'll keep going back to Anthony Gill. I know you're feeling on Anthony Gill. I think we should cut him now just to get a roster spot. I think Kyle Kuzma is a great enough veteran presence to to handle the torch there. Um, got Gallinari. I think he can still play. We'll see coming off a knee injury if he can play or not, but it seems like they're actually going to keep him. We had talked about 
um, how they were potentially buying him out. It looks like that's not going to be the case anymore. So, yeah, I, I think we can get rid of some of these other guys that are are taking up roster spots. Seems like they want Xavier Cooks on the summer league roster, so maybe they're keeping him to see what he's got and then cut him later on. But uh, to my knowledge, I believe we're all locked up on roster spots now. So um, love you, Anthony Gill. Thanks for the time, but I, I would let him go now. <laughs> But um, yeah, what well, I think we've we've harped on on the Kuzma deal a lot now. But um, uh, final words there, I'm I'm happy with it. Yeah, me as well. Let Let's switch gears a little bit and talk about the the Monty Morris trade. Monty Morris was moved to Detroit on the first night of free agency for reportedly a, a future second rounder. It looks like it's a 2027 second rounder, uh, if reporting is correct on that. Um, what were your initial thoughts of the deal? I know you weren't sad to see Monty go, but what are your thoughts on the return? I don't think we should have expected anything more than that, to be honest with you. I know I I see tons of fans, again, upset with getting second-round picks. And as I just mentioned, they are valuable, and they're going to be even more valuable coming up uh, with the new CBA. But I I just don't understand why everybody's so upset about getting second-round picks. Um, Multiple can be traded down the line for vets we saw that at the trade deadline this past year second round picks were, were flying around for for vets that could fill out their rosters and, and uh like i believe um yeah we we got three for Rui, i think so conceivably we could get a player like that for three second round picks um not not exactly that because i don't think teams are as badly run as tommy shepherd was running things but um they can be used in a valuable way. So I don't think Monte Morris was going to get a late first round pick or anything like that. I don't think we should expect that he's on a expiring deal. He, um, he wasn't a starting caliber point guard. So I think we know his role in the NBA is as a backup point guard. Um, and I feel for him. He, he did the best he could in the starting role this year, but it just wasn't enough. Um, and that's not on him. That, that again, was on Tommy Shepard for putting him in that position. If he was brought here to be the backup point guard, I think he would have been loved. He's a great, solid addition, I think, for the Detroit Pistons behind Cade Cunningham, who's also coming off an injury if you need to plug him in. I think he's a plug a pluggable starter, as we saw uh, in Denver. He was, he was just fine next to a guy like Jokic. But um, I don't think we should expect more than we got for him. I think uh, – I'm I'm fine just letting him go for a second round pick. That's what I've been saying. I I've been saying I'd give him up for a bag of chips, preferably barbecue. So um, I think that's a little <laughs> bit more than than the bag of chips. I think uh, conceivably, I don't think the Pistons will be that great by what is it a 2026 or 2027 second? I'm I'm not sure which one it is. Um, but I don't think they're going to be great by then, to be honest with you. So that could be a very solid second round pick. Um, I'm not upset about it. I, I wish Monte the best. I think he's going to be a great point guard for Detroit. He just didn't make sense for us. So um, they were clearly in talks with a bunch of teams on Monte. If they could have gotten more, they would have. So um makes sense uh, to let him go there. I feel like the frustration from fans, I don't understand sometimes because there's been multiple reports about them shopping him around. So do you think they picked the worst deal that they could find? Or do you think they picked the best deal that they could find? Now you might not like that. All they got was a second round pick, but if all the teams are offering a second round pick, they probably picked the best of the bunch or 
Maybe they picked, they tried to do Monte a, a somewhat of a solid by sending him home to Detroit. It seems like he was excited to be there. So maybe there was some compromise. Hey, you know, you, we want to do right by you. What are a couple teams that you'd be interested in playing for? And there was maybe some middle ground. So maybe you could argue, well, maybe they could have gotten another second round, two second rounders or something. But I, I, I don't really know what else people would expect to get for a point guard. I feel like it's hard because people will trash a player and then wonder why other teams didn't value the trashed player more than the Wizards do, Wizards fans do. So if you think he's trash or don't like him, why would you expect another team to value him more? I just, I always never really understand that. So it's like people, you know, shitted on Beal and talk shit about Beal, but then we're really, really mad that he didn't garner some giant package in return. So it's, it's an interesting, it's just an interesting, uh, dynamic i guess between fans and their expectations sometimes and as a person uh i call myself a realist i have realistic expectations about pretty much everything in life maybe it's just the libra in me but i i'm i i I look at things through a lens of what's realistic and a second round pick to me is what was realistic so it met my expectations i'd be lying if i didn't say when the i believe it was shams that reported it when i saw that that he was traded and it didn't say what for there was a small part of me that was hoping it was Killian Hayes. Um, and I was okay. Like maybe they gave up on him, and maybe they're trying, cause I know they're trying to get better and Killian Hayes is going to be approaching an extension window here soon, whether they're going to give him that or not. I don't know, but I thought on some level I could see them saying, Hey, let's turn, let the wizards might want to take a flyer on him. We'll take the veteran point guard to back up Cade to make our, just to make our team, because they're trying to take a step forward. So to make our team better in terms of just veteran leadership and that type of thing. So there was a small part of me that was hoping Killian Hayes was coming back in the deal just as someone that we could take a flyer on. Um, He was a guy I liked before that draft and he's obviously underperformed, but he did show flashes last year of being a pretty good rotation player. I don't think he's ever going to be, you know, maybe worthy of the seventh pick, but I feel like there's a player in there that could be a solid uh, backup guard play you know plays good defense um and he and he showed a little bit better as kind of an on-ball creator a little bit last year so anyway but he wasn't in the deal so I had a little bit of hope for that before I saw the compensation but then I said oh, well it meets my expectations and that was really it I didn't have any other strong feelings about Monty Morris I like you said I wish him well but um I never really had much faith in him as a starting point guard in the NBA. So there was very little disappointment on my end when he was sent out the door. Yeah, we, we've talked about it. We thought that, or at least I thought that DeLon Wright probably had more value than he did. Um, but maybe that's not the case because he's still in the building. Um, may, maybe they feel they can build more around DeLon Wright on this roster than than they could have Monte Morris. Um so I'm I'm interested to see if they're going to continue to do anything with DeLon Wright. I still think he's such a valuable player to a contender. So hopefully they're they're still working the trades to see if they can get something for him. He would also make sense coming back. So I wouldn't be upset if if he did return. But um, yeah, wish Monte the best. It just didn't make sense for him to be on this roster. He makes great sense for the Pistons. So I'll go back to your Killian Hayes point um definitely was a guy that I wanted but I didn't think that was going to be a realistic get for Monte Morris I think um 
he sh- as you said, he showed a ton of flashes. So uh, I think he's a valuable player to to a team like Detroit. See if he still has anything. Uh, you know, they. I, I just didn't expect Monte to go for anything more than a second round pick, knowing um, how many point guards we have in the building and knowing that we wanted to get off of him. So um, I think that will end up being probably of, of the teams that they negotiated with. I, I bet they view that as the, the best opportunity to get a solid second round pick because uh, obviously they were the worst team in the NBA this year. I don't think looking at that roster that it, uh, obviously it's subject to change in the next couple of years, but I I don't see a long-term great team there. So I think that's going to be a solid second round pick. I'm fine with it. Let's move to a, a, a bigger standpoint of just free agency from here. Uh, the Wizards, besides Kuzma, there really haven't been any other, any other signings unless I'm missing something so far, so far uh, they, they didn't, extend a qualifying offer to, to Jay Huff, um, the center that was on the G league roster at a point. And so now the center, the two centers on the roster, uh, I don't know what's going to happen with Tristan Vukovic, uh, whether he's coming over or not. So just as of right this second, it looks like obviously Gafford and Muscala are the two bigs on the roster. Uh, it, a lot of targets have come off the board and they seem to have a full a full roster at the moment anyway uh in terms of just num- uh, the numbers aspect and to the point you were mentioning about potentially cutting Anthony Gill or cutting Xavier Cooks or kind of what they're going to do with that I- i'm interested to see what what happens going forward because i think some of the targets that i wanted for the team are already on other teams i thought that i mentioned Dwight Powell as a target he resigned with the Mavericks on a really team friendly deal i think it was 3 for either 12 or 15, but whatever it was, was a cheap deal. Um, Jackson Hayes signed with the Lakers for the minimum. Cam Reddish signed for either the minimum or something close to it. Uh, Those were two guys that I would have had some interest in taking a flyer on. Probably more Jackson Hayes than than Reddish to me. I, I actually really think Reddish has a lot of talent, but I don't think it's a coincidence when all these teams kind of can't find a place for you. And you're now that's three teams that despite you clearly having talent that a lot of your NBA peers respect that you can't find a role. I just think that that says something about his fit in the, in the NBA. I bet he'd be amazing if he played overseas though, like probably like an all time (laughs) overseas player. I'm not wishing that on him. I'm just saying like, I could see him going over there and just straight killing, but something's not connecting in the NBA. So I think that's a good flyer for the Lakers. And I wouldn't have been mad to see the, the wizards take a flyer on him. Um, but I think Jackson Hayes was the one I was kind of like, ah, man, when I saw that come across my screen, I was hoping that maybe the wizards would, would give him a shot and see, see where it would go. Um, and then today when I saw um, what team was it traded for oh, the Clippers traded for KJ Martin uh, from the Rockets. I was like, oh man, that's another guy. And that's a, that's a trade, but that's another guy. I mean, it was like two future seconds or something for KJ Martin. And I'm like, well, I wish we had used some of our future seconds to bring in a young guy like that, that hasn't gotten a lot of opportunity to show what he can do. But in the time that he has gotten, he showed that he can play. And he's a guy that would inject a lot of athleticism and, and youthful energy into the team. Um, so I think some of the targets that I would have liked the front office to focus on 
have kind of come off the board. And I don't really know as fans what we can expect from them going forward. I know that's not super insightful analysis to say, I don't know, but I just don't really know what their, what their goal is. Are they looking for a backup center? Are they even, are they happy with Muscala? Are they looking for another wing? Are they happy with Kuzma and Denny and and Kispert and Johnny Davis and Xavier Cooks and these guys that they have? Because they have a full roster in terms of a number standpoint, but I just don't like some of the guys on the back end of the roster. And they have a lot of young guys, obviously, too. What are your expectations, Chase, just in terms of maybe where they go from here? Well, yeah, as we've said, it looks like that the roster is full to my knowledge. So somebody's I, I hope this isn't the final roster right now. I'm hoping that there's still a move or two to come. Um I think they could still get off of DeLon Wright and um, I'm not, I guess they would have to not take a player back or maybe they're trading him and, and getting a, a young guy in return with some picks. That would be fine with me. Um, but to me, I, I still think there is a need at center. Um, I like Jackson Hayes going back to him. I like Jackson Hayes. I do think he might overlap a little bit with what Gafford does. They seem like very similar type of players. So maybe, um, they're looking for a different type of center if they do view Gafford as a long-term fit here. Um, I think Gafford's on a great contract, uh, two two years left, I believe. So uh, I think they can still work with him, but I don't think they should expect him to be able to play 30 minutes a night. We've yet to see that. So I'm still hoping that they go out and get another veteran center. Um, they are pretty limited now that couple days into free agency. I had mentioned a guy like maybe Bismack Biombo maybe doesn't bring the most uh, onto the court these days, but I think he's a, a, a different type of center that um, I don't even think we really need veteran leadership anymore, but he brings that. Um, and he's a, he's a big bodied, strong defender, rebounder. I think he would fit in pretty well. As we've both mentioned, we're not Mike Muscala guys. So I would, I would cut him too. Um, that's a guy I wouldn't wouldn't keep around personally. But I hope the plan is to get Vukovic a ton of time right out the bat. I would love to see that. Obviously, he's a second-round pick, so uh, you can never just expect a 19, 20-year-old rookie to just get in there and contribute a ton immediately. But I hope the plan is to at least see what he can do on the court, uh, give him some run. I, I've hated over the last few seasons we've either – uh, stashed our second round picks or picked them and, and not even given them really a, a fair shake. So I would love to see him actually get on the court. Um, but yeah, I, I hope the plan isn't to play like uh, Anthony Gill, small ball five, like we've seen some, I, I, I would hate to see that. That's even worse than playing him at the four or three. Um, Cause he, he offers nothing at the five. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping that he's, just let go now. I, I feel like that's just the easy decision. Um, he, and I keep going back to Xavier Cooks. I think he's a easy cut as well, not a uh, pickup by this front office. So I, I would love to get another young talent in here, take a swing at somebody. Uh, you mentioned Killian Hayes. Like we should be bringing in somebody like that. I think we, we did bring in a couple guys, PBJ and Ryan Rollins kind of fit that bill. Uh, we'll see if they have anything. They're both still young, but um, I think we could use another, like just keep taking swings, see what sticks. So uh, for me, I'm looking for a veteran center and I'm looking for really at any position, another swing, another young guy that you can see if he has anything. 
Yeah, that's those are literally the two things. I don't have much more to expand on that. I kind of touched on wanting them to take a flyer and and on some young guy. And I really felt like uh, Jackson Hayes, Reddish, uh, Killian Hayes, those are the type, KJ Martin, like those are the type of young guys that haven't stuck um, that I would like them to take a flyer on. I mean, even the Rockets, they sent out um, two other recent first rounders. They sent out Ty Ty Washington and uh, Garuba, I believe is his name. He's a center. I can't remember his first name, but he was a first rounder. I think he was a top 20 pick from maybe just a year ago. Um, and they sent them to Atlanta to clear space. But I'm wondering, like, why aren't the Wizards taking on some of these guys? I'm I'm not even in love with either of those guys as a prospect. I like Ty Ty a little bit, but yeah, but it's I'm just I was just feeling like I would much rather have these two guys on the roster than have Anthony Gill and Xavier Cooks were guys that I'm nine I know Anthony Gill's not gonna be anything, and I'm 90% sure Cooks is just at best a borderline role player or border like a borderline rotational guy. Um, so I'm not questioning what the front office is doing. I think there's a clearly a plan, but I do think a veteran center, I'm mean, Gavard's not going to play 30 plus minutes a night. I mean, he, he hasn't shown that something that he can really do in terms of foul trouble. There's always been murmurs about his like conditioning. Isn't the best in terms of just being able to stay on the court for like long stretches. And I don't feel like you can have, just him and Mike Muscala as your centers. You need one other veteran vet minimum guy, even if it's Robin Lopez or something, you need some other vet minimum guy to come in and be able to give you 15 minutes when Gafford inevitably has an injury or something like that. What are you going to do? You have to have um, some type of, of uh, vet vet there. Cause even with the with the um, Vukovic uh, guy we drafted in the second round, I feel like he's going to have to, if he is over, he's going to have to spend some time in the G League too. So you're going to just need that in terms of um, functionality to make a, a competent roster. I feel like you're going to have to have one more one more veter- veteran big. So I would expect to see some other move. Uh, I feel like they're, they're going to be advantageous with trades. So if there's a big trade with, you know, Dame's going to be traded. looks like Harden's going to be traded. They could maybe be a third team that helps facilitate trades. I don't, I'm not saying that based on any reporting or anything, but I feel like if there's a way to finagle their way in to get, maybe they're rerouting Shamit to one of these teams or something like that. And they're getting back a younger player or something like that. Um, Because these teams that are, if you're the Clippers or if you're, and you're getting Harden or you're, the Sixers, you're sitting hard and out. You're gonna want vets to kind of piece piece your team together. And if you can, if the Wizards can fit in a vet and get back a young player or something like that, there might be a way or get a veteran big that way. I feel like there might be other avenues and outright signings, which we kind of mentioned on the last podcast that it might not. The signings might not literally look like they've agreed to terms with this player. It might look like, hey, they slipped in on a one of these other trades that's going on in the league as a third team to help facilitate. And they're getting back, you know, this type of veteran big or this type of veteran player or this young player. So it'll be interesting to see, but I think we'll get a better picture of what the, what the front office envisions for the rest of this roster kind of as the next few days go and uh, with, with the next dominoes that fall in terms of Dame and, and, and Harden and things of that nature. 
But Chase, let's talk about the roster in terms of like a the starting, like who's going to start now that Kuzma's back. It looks like the lineup projected would be Tyus Jones at the one, Jordan Poole at the two, uh, Denny Abdi at the three, uh, Kyle Kuzma at the four, with Dan Gafford being at the five. Is that the lineup that you envision, given the roster right now, that you envision on opening day? And is that a roster, is that a starting five that you would be pleased with? I think that will end up being the starting five to start the year. Um, I don't think that will be what it is to end the year. I think uh, guys like Tyus Jones could be on the move at the deadline, for example, or uh, shifted to the bench. Jordan Poole could play the one. Like my ideal roster, this isn't what I think will happen, but what I would love to see is Jordan Poole at the one. Uh, I'd love Koulibaly starting. I don't think he's going to start immediately, but hopefully – he shows a little flash immediately and, and eventually makes his way into that starting lineup. Um, I think that would be a solid, and maybe he's even a, a point guard in the NBA. It seems like some project him to, to eventually be a point guard. Um, we'll, we'll see about that. I don't think he's immediately an NBA point guard. Um, so, but yeah, I think to start the season, I would go Tyus Jones, uh, Jordan Poole, I think there could be a battle between Corey Kispert and Denny Advia, but I just think it makes more sense uh, with, you know, no Tyus Jones and Jordan Poole are not defensive players. That's a really rough defensive backcourt. So I think you do need to at least have some, what of a defender next to him, Corey Kispert. That would be a terrible trio defensively. Corey was unfortunately one of the worst defenders in the league this past year by metrics. Um, and by eye test he he did not didn't look like a great defender um but but that is what Denny does bring so I think uh Kyle's a pretty decent defender um but you you do need a good defender next to those two if that's going to be your starting backcourt so um unfortunate for Corey bringing bringing Kuz back seems to probably push him to the bench which maybe that's just his long-term fit in the NBA is a great bench shooter you need every team needs one we definitely need one. We haven't had shooting on this roster besides he and Kristaps really last season. Uh, there was no plus shooting on the team, so he'll always be valuable. Um, but I just don't think it'll be in the starting lineup. So um, I like that starting five. I don't think it's a playoff starting five by any means or anything, but it's a product you can put out on the court and not hate what you're watching. Um, I, I hope eventually – Tyus Jones gets taken out of that starting lineup unless he you know shows that he's a really great starting point guard in the league I don't think he is I think he's a around what Monte Morris was probably a little bit better but um, I'm viewing him on the same scope as him so hopefully that's just a short short term fix there at point guard and and they eventually get Bilal Koulibaly into the starting lineup but probably not going to be immediately yeah, I view Tyus as, as another stopgap solution. I feel like they, when that Clippers deal that involved Porzingis going to to Boston, that that original construction of the deal, I felt like uh, when they had to kind of reconfigure that deal and they had the opportunity to get Tyus, I think they saw it as, okay, we could get a serviceable stopgap guy that's on a one-year deal so where there's no long-term commitment. Maybe he shows more than he has previously shown he's probably a little bit better than Monty Morris, but he's of the same ilk and he's at least has a proven track record of a recent track record of starting games on a good team in terms of when John Morant missed time with injury and stuff. 
he's shown that he can run the show. I don't think my expectations would be super high for him, but I'm perfectly fine with him on this team as a starter. But if I was really trying to do something, I wouldn't be, you know, cool with him as a starter. But I think for this team, it's fine. Him and Poor are going to be one of the worst defensive backcourts in the league. And I think that's all the reason more why you can't start Kispert. Um, But I think the problems on the other end of the court, now that Kuzma is back, is Kuzma's going to handle the ball some. Poole's obviously going to handle the ball some. Ty Jones is obviously going to ha- handle the ball some. What's Denny going to be doing? Standing in the corner? I, I I think that's the part where I I really worry about that lineup in terms of just Denny's trajectory and development and longevity on the Wizards. And I'm not even a big, I know I talk a lot about that here on the pod. I'm not a big Denny fan. So it's not even like I'm so concerned with Denny to the point where I don't want anything to get in the way of this prospect that I'm crazy about. That's not what it is. It's just you did invest a top 10 pick in him, and he has shown flashes of being a good player. It's just he clearly needs to have the ball a little more in his hands. I know I keep mentioning that. It's clear that he needs it at least a little bit more. He's not a, um, he's not a point guard. I'm not saying he's a point guard, but I think his best role is – playing some point forward initiating the offense on some level but now that you have three different guys that are going to be initiating the offense on a regular basis Kuzma did that a lot last year got the rebound came up court initiated the offense a lot of times he's trying to get his own shot (laughs) but that's not going to change he might scale it back a little bit now that he's gotten a big contract and I do think he was working hard to inflate his numbers last year to you know, to entice teams to pay him. I don't knock him for that. But him and Poole are going to take shots, and they're going to be dribbling the ball, and Tyus Jones is going to dribble the ball. And I just wonder if Denny is in that starting five with them, what does that look like in terms of just when he's playing with that starting five, what is his role other than playing defense? On offense, what is he supposed to be doing? Is he going to stand in the corner, or is Wes Unsell going to find more creative ways to use him? So... I think that if that's the lineup, there's there needs to be a big focus by Wes Unsell Jr. to have Denny doing something else besides standing in the corner. I don't know if he's going to be cutting more. I don't know if they could use him as a screener more. I don't know if they could use him in second side action. I don't know. I'm not a coach. But there just needs to be some type of plan. Because if it's Kispert, him standing in the corner would make some sense because he'll space the floor. But if it's Denny, it just that can't be the solution. I really like watching Scott Brooks and in, in uh, West Unsold have Denny stand in the corner so much over these past three years, I guess, has just been frustrating because he can't shoot. So if you're I mean, you might as well have me stand in, in the corner. I mean, a 20 percent shooter or someone that may make one here or there. The defense isn't going to respect that. So I think that's the the only thing I wonder about that starting lineup. I do think that's what they'd go with. Um, I do, I think that the just the disaster of the defense if Kispert starts at the three with Poole and Tyus is just too much to bear. I mean, you got to play defense on some level that I just don't think that that's sustainable. It'd be good for the tank though if that t- yeah. if not winning games is the goal, that would be fine. But I think long term, I think or, or not long term, but I think actually going into the season, excuse me, that's what the starting lineup is going to be. Uh, I would hope they would stagger Denny and Kuzma's minutes a little bit, though, so Denny can get some time 
um, as a secondary ball handler and as someone that can run the, you know, initiate some offense too. So that's kind of my thoughts on that. Yeah, I'm with you there. Um, the The role I envision for Denny has always been he's he's not Draymond Green, but I envision him playing a game like Draymond Green. Just uh, clearly, he he's a great defensive talent. But I love I would love to see him push and transition a lot more this year. Take the ball off the rim and and go. That's something that Draymond Green does so well. Uh, he's a great connector when it comes to screening. He can um, take the ball and and and. People can come off screens while he has the ball. I would love to see something like that for Denny. But, yeah, I hope he's not parked in a corner. It hasn't made sense. And to your point, uh, they could easily just stagger he and Kuzma and let him run most of the second unit, which would make sense to me. Um, they could even have him, like they did a lot of the season, be the sixth man. I I personally don't think that would happen because, again, this Corey with those two in the backcourt, that would be – one of the worst defensive trios the the game's ever seen, um, really. Um, so yeah, if if they want to tank and they just want to put up numbers, that that would be a, a very fun lineup. But I I just don't see that happening day one. I think Wes wants to put up um, a defensive unit that seems to be what was supposed to be his calling card entering the NBA entering as an NBA head coach. We have yet to see that. So. Um, Maybe he just abandons it and says, "F it, we're we're putting up 130 a night, and hopefully we can hold him 129." Um, but I, I think that's going to be the lineup to start the year, and and hopefully stagger those two a bit. I can't wait until later this summer when we're kind of in that dead period and we don't have much to talk about. You and I are going to have to do a deep dive into Wes Unseld and and our thoughts on our thoughts on that because I have some thoughts and I haven't been able to get them off on anywhere besides Twitter and I'm not a big tweeter these days. So um, we'll have to do that because I, I don't understand if defense is his calling card. I don't understand how um, I, I haven't seen anything that's, that's led me to have much faith in coach coach on And I honestly wanted it to be, I wanted it to work out. So this isn't even coming from a hater standpoint, but uh, that's for another pod. We'll, we'll do that at some point this summer where we can kind of deep dive into our opinions on that. But I really hope that, um, that he does have a good plan for, for Denny and all the young guys. I mean, Johnny Davis and some of these guys, obviously they'll have a plan for Bilal Koulibaly, I assume. Um, and I just hope there's continuity from, the front office all the way down to the coaching staff in terms of what their goals are for the team and the players um, and the young guys, especially. So that'll be interesting to see going forward. Let's talk a little bit more about our, our reactions to, to free agency in general. Um, I mentioned that looks like we're going to get a Dame trade. He requested a trade today. It looks like we're going to get a Harden trade. He requested a trade, I don't know, sometime within the past 72 hours. Um, Fred Van Vliet signed for the max. Uh <laughs> In Houston, I mean, um, I think I, I'm going to start with the deal that blew me away the most was the Jeremy Grant deal. I just I couldn't believe they gave him five for 160. I believe it was. I know it was 32 million a year at, if you do it on a per year over five years. I was floored, like literally floored when I saw that contract. Jeremy Grant is a very good player. This is no shade on him as a player but i just couldn't believe that they would pony up that much money to bring in 
or to retain Jeremy Grant, literally to a piece game, I assume. Um, that was a contract that just blew me away. And I'm still thinking, even after the Dame trade request, I'm thinking, wow, I, I know they wish they could go back and say, hey, <laughs> can we not do this? But they're not going to do that because it would hurt the relationship with the agent and things of that nature. And that's just not how the NBA works. He, the team's not going to renege on a deal now after it's agreed upon because his market would be completely shrunk up and he wouldn't have nearly that much money available to him now. So they're not going to, to do that. But I know that they're probably looking at that. He's 29 years old. That deal is going to, it's not going to look as bad in a few years as the cap goes up, but it's still like no one's going to want to pay Jeremy Grant that much money when he's 33, 34. I mean, that deal was just one of those deals where you're like, wow, how did this even get agreed upon? If you're the Blazers, how did you come to a consensus that this made sense? I could see maybe paying him the 27 range per year, but man, 32 was just a lot. Um, uh, I'll let you chime in here, Chase. I thought the Lakers did a good job. I thought that they were a team that really stood out to me, uh, bringing in uh, cheap deals for Reddish and, and Jackson Hayes, like we mentioned. They signed Gabe Vincent. Uh, I think it was three for 33. Uh, they re-signed D'Lo. They re-signed Austin Reeves. They re-signed Rui. Um, there's something else they did that I'm that I'm not remembering that I was impressed with too. But they did they did a lot of of good of good work, and I, I thought that they that they they've been the biggest winner so far of free agency. Um, I, I honestly like what the Rockets did too. I I don't Fred VanVleet's contract was a lot, but I feel like they had so much cap room and they had money to give, and they only had it now. So I and they desperately needed a culture reset. They're a team that they looked like an AAU team, and Kevin Porter Jr. for his talent, ta- how much raw talent he has as a basketball player. He's not a point guard, and to me, having him and Jalen Green be your guard tandem in terms of actually trying to win NBA games is a level of malpractice. It's just not a competent. NBA backcourt their games don't complement each other neither of them can run an NBA offense consistently so I think you get a real adult in the room you had to overpay for him but it's just the nature of the business you had to give him a reason and incentive to come to Houston to a bad team I think that Van Vliet is the exact type of culture culture setter guy that the Rockets need they got Dylan Brooks while I don't love the contract 20 mil per year is way too much for Dylan Brooks I like the 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 player and the fit for that specific team. So I thought they did a pretty good job. They also signed Jock Landale. I like him as a backup center for them. Another guy that's going to do play hard. He's physical. He does the dirty work and he'll be a good backup behind Shingun. He's also like a completely different type of player. So if they want to go with a more traditional center um, at times, they can do that to mix things up. Um, but those are kind of my early, my early reactions. Do you have any early reactions to free agency things that interest you? Yeah, funny enough, I was going to list the Rockets as my loser of of the uh, of the free agency. So I guess we're on the opposite side of the spectrum here. Um, I don't like that contract for Van Fleet. Uh, they just draft Amin Thompson, who I believe they would want to put at point guard. I guess not. Um, maybe they view him as a two or three or something else other than a point guard. Maybe they just don't want to throw him out there immediately. But um that's a that's a big contract for a guy that I just don't think is that level of player personally. Um, and you mentioned culture reset and and that he's a veteran in the room. It seems like 
I, I'm not going to act like I know everything that was going on in the Raptors locker room, but it seemed like he seemed to be at the bottom of some of the craziness going on in that locker room. I don't, I'm not going to act like I know or say that he's on a hundred percent. What was the problem there? But uh, the Raptors have re-signed every, everybody else, but him. So um, well, they I tried, like but he, he yeah. didn't take the deal. They tried to bring him okay. back. Apparently they went four years and it was somewhere in the ballpark of 30 million a year, but they just couldn't, they weren't willing to do the, the mat, which is the reason why Houston had to go so high up was because I think the Raptor reporting was last night that he was deciding between the Raptors and the Rockets and the Raptors had upped their offer to four years, 30 mil per year range. So, okay. So I missed that part, but either way, I I don't like the contract um, for the player. I think he's a good player, but I think again, uh, we're complaining about Kuzma getting in the way of someone like Denny. Um, What about, you know, Fred Van Vliet getting in the way of, of a guy like Amin Thompson, who I think actually um, is drafted to be somewhat of a franchise player there. Um, Going back to the Raptors. I also think that they are a loser of free agency. It seems like they're just running back, um mm-hmm. the same squad that just didn't make the playoffs um so they they pulled kind of what a, what Tommy Shepard wanted to do really was just bring everybody back throw them a bag Gary Trent Jr getting a bag apparently um they're not trading OG Ananobi or Pascal Siakam so um i don't know where the wins are coming in i guess they just need development out of Scotty Barnes and uh Grady Dick that needs to be a, a legendary shooter right out out the gate or something um but they haven't really made any moves that i've seen um that that made me think wow they're gonna take that next step i feel like they're losing one of their better players in van bleet so i'm not liking the raptors offseason i i would not be surprised if uh they needed to move everybody at the deadline and uh we're, we're back where they were last year i would not be surprised by that so i'd say um those two teams, I, I haven't liked their offseason. I agree with you. The Lakers, they got a couple buy low players to that I think fit well or, around guys like LeBron and Anthony Davis. Um, and with Anthony Davis being hurt often, I think a guy like Jackson Hayes is a great pickup. Uh, he'll probably get a lot of time. And he, he's been a good player. He's just been inconsistent, young, and, and clearly um, he's had some maturity issues, I believe. So hopefully he figures it out there in, in L.A., but um, I do like their offseason. I think uh, we keep on saying we want a couple buy low guys. Uh, Cam Reddish, I, I'm not a big Cam Reddish guy, but um, that, that's another young player that they're taking a swing on for, for very cheap. So uh, they, they got their point guards back um, in, in D'Lo. They, have, they got Gabe Vincent, which I think is a very good pickup for them. Um, we'll see which one of them starts at point guard, probably D'Lo, but um, I think they have a very solid roster top to bottom now. So I think they're the winners for sure. Yeah. And they also signed Tori and Prince. I knew I was forgetting somebody, but that was kind of think the first, right. the yeah. first deal that they, that, that they got done, or at least that was reported. So that wasn't fresh in my memory, but that was another one. He's a nice three and D guy that would fit next to LeBron can shoot um, and, and can play some defense. So I, I like what they did and they, they've built a roster now where, they're going to be able to rest LeBron during the regular season for long stretches because you're going to have other guys that can do stuff. You got you have enough guys that can create offense that can do a little bit of their own thing, and that and then when LeBron's obviously playing, when you get to to real games, they have 
Reeves took a big step. Rui took a big step, big step last year. You have uh, Gabe Vincent, who was impressive for the Heat last year in the playoffs. So I really think they did a good job. They got a good mix of vets that are young, that aren't, but that are experienced enough to not be, you know, raw or unexperienced in the playoffs. So they, to me, they they hit the perfect sweet spot of vets that are experienced enough, but are all young enough to also kind of grow and and still have some room to develop forward. So they did a great job. Um, really quick back to the Raptors and kind of the Rockets. We we mentioned both of them. I the Raptors, you know, it's interesting with the order of things. Sometimes I wonder if they I feel like they had to lock down Jakob Pertle to come to Vet to Van Vliet and say, hey, we're trying to run this thing back. We got um we, you know, look, we got Jakob back. Um, we're 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 we want to bring you back and run this thing back. So I, I feel like they they felt like they had to lock that down to try to entice Van Vliet to come back. But I wonder if they could redo that. Would they kind of walk back signing Jakob Hurdle and maybe go the other way and say, hey, Siakam's on an expiring, OG's on an expiring. Let's try to trade these players off and maybe reset. Um so I don't know, but I I don't like signing Schroeder as a stopgap either. I like Schroeder on a vet minimum or even a like biannual exception, which is like three or four million or something. If you get him for that, that's a good contract. But I don't love it. Other than that, I, I think that they they just kind of rushed to sign the next best point guard on the market or someone they thought that was um, going to be a solid fit. And I get I get why, but. 13 million a year for Shooter just at this point in his career just seems like a lot. And it felt like a panic move. And I don't really see the, the trajectory for that team going forward. They seem really locked in being like the ninth or eighth seed. And there's no way really forward unless Scotty Barnes and, and OG and Nobi maybe take uh big, really big strides forward. But I think OG is kind of um is who he is at this point. So uh, in terms of the Rockets, I just think they did they that the they didn't want Amin Thompson to come in and immediately have have kind of the similar predicament they've had, which is they have all these young guys playing huge minutes and no way to kind of push forward and develop. Um, I think that they maybe want to just have that structure from the point guard position, and I think that's the hardest position for young guys to come in. So now Jalen Green in year three. Um, Jabari Smith in year two, Shingoons in, I believe, year three, two. I think now's a time where that you just need organization. And I think that Amin Thompson, while a very good player, I think that he I would be shocked if he was ready to come in and really take the reins and be a, a high-level point guard right now. So I think that Van Vliet's a perfect stopgap for them. It's a really expensive stopgap, and he's a but we've seen at times he can be an all-star level player. So I think it they're they're an organization that's mandated to get better so the ownership is not going to tolerate being the bottom barrel team in the league so i think they were like hey we have all this cap space who are the best absolute players we could get they tried to get brooke lopez they landed on van vliet and dylan brooks i think they're guys that fit kind of the identity i could see Ime Udoka wanting for that culture so i i think that you could definitely say they're both they they definitely are both overpays that's not even debatable they're overpays by significant margin but I could see it. I'm not mad at it. Um, and I think it's, I think it's a, it can be looked at both as a win or a loss, but I think that for a team that had cap space and no other players really on the market to spend it on, I think it's kind of hard to be mad at it, but in a vacuum, 
I mean, who wants to be paying Dylan Brooks $20 million and Fred Van Vliet $43 million a year. So I think with that said, you're, you know, your point is definitely well taken. Um, do you have any last uh, thoughts about the Wizards, what you'd like to see or anything like that over the coming days? I would just say, let's just be patient with the front office. This is their first off season. So everyone who has their pitchforks out, uh, upset with the the value of the return of their trades, I would say let's just at least give them a year before we uh, pull out the pitchforks and, and want them out of here. Like, Let's let's let them build the way that they see fit. I I I actually think that there will be a ton of value in these second round picks that they've acquired. They have first round pick swaps to work with in a few years, so uh, they don't exactly want to be one of the worst teams in the league. They want to eventually put up a, a solid product to maybe eventually um, maybe the Suns uh, get injured and and they're able to have a solid pick swap out of that. So um, we'll see what they do with all these second round picks. They will have value. I'm I'm not gonna be super upset that they traded Monte for a second round pick or um, that they brought Kyle Kuzma back. I think this is all part of the long term vision. This is just year one, so uh, let's all sit back, enjoy the year. It's uh, gonna be more of a watchable product on the court this season than I think uh, we were expecting. And for as you mentioned earlier on in the pod, the casual fan will want to see Kyle Kuzma and Jordan Poole more so than they wanted to go see Denny Advia and, and Corey Kispert. So um, from that standpoint, it's going to put some more people in the seats. It's going to keep the casual fan watching uh, a little bit more than it would have probably. So um, overall, I'm not super upset. They're, they're probably not bottoming out in this poor draft class. Let's just see what Winger and co are, are going to cook up beyond the season. I'm, I'm excited about the vision. Yeah, I'm excited about the vision too. I, all in all, I think I like I like the Kuzma signing. Uh, like I said, it's a slight W. I don't think it's something I would be too mad at. I, I can understand the criticisms of kind of the direction a little bit. And I, I get where people are coming from, I guess is what I mean. But I don't think retaining an asset on a good fair contract that would be tradable, tradable down the road is a bad thing. Um, but Chase, I know we have uh, a summer league preview uh podcast in store sometime soon we'll do a west unselled podcast where we kind of dive into that and a, and a bunch of other stuff coming up here as the offseason continues um but this is the wizards group chat please uh subscribe leave us a review tell us on twitter what you would like to hear from us this summer and we'll be happy to deliver that 